Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Bij Burger King gebeuren spannende dingen. Wat dacht je van een classic cheeseburger, chicken nuggets burger of sundae voor maar 1 euro per stuk? En dat is nog niet alles. Alle King deals zijn maar 1 euro. Haal ze nu alleen bij Burger King. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast post-deadline day special. Uh, you're probably sick of these deadline day specials now. If you're like us, you're probably sick of deadline day itself. Um, well, as ever, it was hectic. Maybe not, well certainly not, I think, from most Evertonian points of view, the outcome that they're expecting or hoping for. Uh, let's just sum it up. In the end, on deadline day, there was just one player that came in. Well, two if you count Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but he, of course, is to play for David Unsworth, under-23s. But the main sort of first-team signing was West Ham's Enna Valencia on a year-long loan with a view to buy for a 14.5 million fee. So that, that was it. Lots of moves didn't come off. We'll discuss them. Uh, and, and the only outgoings really was Aidan McGeady off on loan to Preston. And that's it, wasn't it? Um, Gav, obviously it doesn't seem like very long ago we were in no. this year. <laughs> it doesn't, it Podden, seems... uh, But uh, more or less, what we said kind of transpired, sadly, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, the fact that we got within, what, was it five hours of the close, six hours by the close of the transfer window, and we, we still had signings or potential signings up in the air, so it was understandable. Uh, for me personally, it was disappointing, but not entirely unexpected that we didn't get anybody that we wanted uh, in that time, uh, because the time scale was involved. Um, personally, just for consistency, I said yesterday that I could handle anything, but if we didn't get a striker, then that would be... You know, a, a bit of a downer for me, um, and that that that's happened. That we've got Valencia there, who maybe he's not an orthodox striker, who perhaps can cover for Ron. But I was hoping for, you know, a a you know a bona fide frontman. I think we all were, mate. Uh, and I think the rest, Sissoko. I'm I'm not entirely certain, uh, really, whether that would have been a great sign in any case. No, it's easy to say that, but um, I'm not sure where he would where he would have fitted in. Um, and and that was it really, um, and hopefully there's a lesson there for everybody. You know, there, there are pro- probably some reasons that you know that in future, you know, get your business done sooner if it means payment a bit of a premium. Mm. I f- feel like underwhelmed by what happened last night. We we sort of I want to say like betrayal, but we were promised and the fans were promised marquee signings and big money was there to be spent and. It just wasn't spent. Now, if Moshiri was willing to bankroll these signings and Cumin and Walsh had their targets, what went wrong? Only someone within the within the boundaries of what's gone on in the boardroom, something was well, something's amiss. How so many targets can slip through the net, and the list is endless. I think between Perez and Berahimi and the, the Sissoko deal and everything else and. You're thinking, why have they all just slipped through the net? And I was trying to not make excuses, but trying to find out why all these players have slipped through the net. And then you think, well, he's gone to Tottenham, he wants Champions League football. Do you want too much money for him? Fine. Then you're thinking, well, what about Kone at Sunderland? Why didn't that one come off? And you, 
in the end, you will run out of excuses why all these players never came to Everton. Now, I don't want to be critical, and I'm not being critical of Everton Football Club here under this new regime. Far from it, because four months ago, we sat there at Anfield. We had Roberto Martinez as our manager. Bill Kenwright was there, and we'd just been beaten to the pulp by our arch-rivals, 4-0, kicked out and embarrassed in front of, in front of the world. Yeah. Now, since then, we've, we've, we've gone beyond the realms of possibility as far as I'm concerned. We've got a billionaire in charge. We've got a world-class manager as far as I'm concerned. We've taken the champions director of football from them and we've bought some really good players and it's just a guy, Ashley Williams, Yannick Balassi, and we're on the brink of possibly announcing a ground move in, in, the, in the docks. So to, in that short space of time, in four months... We've come a long, long way as far as I'm concerned. So we don't want to be critical about the club at all because people tend to forget where we've been. And we, we, in the last two years, we've been in the bottom half of the Premier League. And look where we are now and look at the players we've got now. And that's down to the manager as well. But this transfer window, lessons have got to be learned on why it's gone wrong. Gav, is that what Tony just mentioned, finishing in the bottom half, consecutive 11 placed finishes? Has that been a key factor in Everton being unable to get the players they want, do you think? Yeah, well, it was. Sissoko was, you know, obviously appears to be one of the factors, probably Perez. I mean, I think the other thing, you know, one one of the things here is European players, I players from the continent, also value playing in the Europa League. It's got a bit more of higher value, hasn't yeah. it, than what we sort of give it to in this country. So I, I do think that not being able to provide European football plus being outside of London are two factors that, mm. you know, go against us. I mean, going back to the Kone deal, I mean, I think on face value, it looks so like Moyes didn't want to sell unless there was, you know, a replacement. Um, so there, were, there was different, different reasons for different deals, but I do think, you know, it's where we are now and where we want to be, and that's not going to happen it's not in, gonna happen. in four weeks, agree, is it? I do agree it won't happen in one transfer window, but for so many targets to slip through the net... Obviously, something to miss, Gav. You can't. I can. You can make excuses and and account for different players. He was in the Champions League football. You couldn't get him. He's owned by two people and two eight different agents. But that many from the start of the summer, since Ronald Koeman took over, right up until last night, we've been linked with from Matter, Witzel, Soko to the present last minute of the day. Every player that was linked has more or less gone past us by. And then you think to yourself, what's gone on? Well, you can explain on an individual deal. I mean, something Kula Bali say was another one, but the Naples yeah. just don't don't very difficult uh, deal to to do. Vittel's still still there, hasn't he? Didn't even go yeah. to, to Juventus. So you can you can look at each player's got an individual reason, isn't it? I think what you're saying is is what what's the overarching strategy around Obviously, like something's that? Obviously, that, because it hasn't worked. That, that, that's, that's what you're saying. Mm. You know, each player is explainable, and I think I'm not making excuses here, and 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 I think. The reason, one of the reasons for that, and Greg touched on it yesterday, is the fact that in, the, in those four months that you're talking about, we've got a new owner, we've got a new like decision-making structure, we've got a new manager, we've got a new director of football, uh, and that that the relationship between all those and the decision-making that goes on has to be right because we've seen other clubs yeah. who've not got it right and have really you know yeah. down a couple of years down the line have really really. You know, uh, so by your thinking, Gab, sorry, that this shouldn't happen again then? That's what I'm saying, yeah. I'm sure, you know, I'm, I'm sure Mercedes a bright fella. I'm sh- and like any, anything that doesn't appear to work on face value, 
is you've got to look at the look what's happened and the lessons learned from that, and 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 move on accordingly. I mean, we have actually signed players in the transfer window, and, yeah. and then, you know the two or three I've seen appear to be actually, yeah, totally you know, um, you know, good value. Um, the important thing from this is that the lessons are learned from the overall strategy about how we approach the transfer yeah. window in the future. And the thing was, you probably won't know that till next summer now because the, you approach the January transfer window in a slightly different way. I'm not necessarily yeah. saying that you get good value in the January window. I think it'll be 12 months before you see the... Uh, before the, you see that. the players you've just mentioned, Gav, the ones that we have signed are good players, but there was no one else bidding for them. There was no one else going in for them. Well... Yeah, they, they were we had to be told that there were clubs in, for example, for Balassi, but they weren't really publicly going yeah. for it. They were basically foregone conclusions where they've had them. Their, their money, it's in the bank. Ashley Williams, I didn't see no takers for them. Yeah, but that's because... Just a guy, no takers. Yeah, well, that, that, I would say that's... Berg, no takers. Ashley Williams is, is a short-term... Well, short-term, that's probably wrong. But this is what I'm trying to say. Them targets, the targets that they've got, they got comprehensively... The ones that they didn't get, they were challenged on and they've missed out I mean, on. I That's the challenge. Challenge. I don't, I don't think, think we can categorically say that about other clubs not being in for the likes of uh, Idris Gay. I just think Everton... And I take your point, it was easier to sign those players. And when there's been a real significant rivalry with clubs who've got similar finances and better league places and you're, and you're better kind of prospects in Europe, we, we've lost out. But, I agree with that point yeah. broadly. But I think it's in, in, inaccurate to say that we didn't have any well, competition for those. Yeah, well, you're looking at, say, we signed Swansea's best player, Crystal Palace's best player, etc. Yeah. Et Aston Villa's best player, all the teams that I, I, I class as below us, but the ones that we want to be challenging with, we missed out on. That's my point, and I think that's where Everton have found themselves well, in the middle of that barrier. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, that goes, that goes back to what I was saying before, is that, you know, those are the players that you need to incrementally improve. What you're saying is the players that will give us the major step, your 30, 40, 50 million pound signs will make a really big difference in theory. Not to yeah, guarantee yeah. anything, yeah, does yeah, it really? You know, are hard. Well, that's why that's why the value to 14, 50 million quid because they're, they're, they're harder to get hold of because more people after them, the value of them goes up. Um, and I think one of the lessons learned here as well is probably is. Those signs you're talking about have all been bought by English clubs, haven't they? I think. Um, yeah, is largely, de- yeah. Dealing with yeah. Con- continental clubs, especially in the current market, is is different, isn't it? And also different from dealing with continental clubs 12 months ago. And I, I think we're not the only English club who's come out of this transfer window. I think there's probably a few who probably got to learn that lesson. Uh, for us, it's probably a bit more of a harsh one because we've got, actually got a little bit more money to spend than what we're used to. And uh, so it's not just telling money that we're spending. So I think that's what the lessons learned there are. And 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 I think that's it. It's a combination of every you know, the new governance around the club. You know, with that I think that's one of the major reasons. I'm not saying that that's an excuse because it probably could have been handled better, perhaps, but it, it was uh, it is a lesson learned. But like everything else, you've gotta you've gotta you've gotta, you know, change your behaviour in the future. As you quite rightly said yesterday, Greg, this is—it's the only bit of a sour note on what's been a successful yeah. opening four or five months under Moshiri, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think January there'll be there'll be a, a reaction will be expected. And Gav's right to say that the January window has its own different challenges from the summer transfer window. But 
Cumin's actually been a manager who's, who's seized the initiative in January in the past and made signings. Certainly when he was at Southampton, he, he wasn't afraid to delve into that window. And I think what Everton and what Mashiri, from what we know of him, what we what we will hope to expect is that he's learned his lessons and he comes in and Everton are decisive business is lined up way before the window opens and deals can get done early in January and we're not here. I think what, what has annoyed supporters more than... Because I think most fans, after sleeping on it, can say, look, all right, it was disappointing, but actually, there's, as Tony says, so many positives. Gav, as you say, you know, so many imponderable, difficult things, which not just Everton are having to cope yeah. with. But it's the fact that they'd hoped that they'd left nights like last night behind. Because yeah. let's face it, it's not new territory for Everton. No. We've missed out on players so many times. And, you know, deadline day is... is in many ways, a bit of a farce, and it's not just mm. us that have to operate in it. But it was getting farcical. You know, Everton were used. You know, they were used by Newcastle and Tottenham, really. And you know, all this talk of Everton having a plane ready for Sissoko, and he never turned up. I'm not having that. Well, well I'm not having it because he was in. He was in London. He was in London. I mean, don't forget, Bill Kenwright and Mashiri are based in London, so they may well have said possible, there's yeah, a plane to get you up for your medical in the northwest. I think that was what the suggestion was. Uh, and no one would criticise them for that. That's that, that's what they should have been doing. But maybe, maybe it's just a bit of savvy. Maybe clubs have just got to kind of read between the lines a bit more. If he's in London, but then you know I do have some sympathy for him because if you're getting told by a player's representative and the player when he was talking yeah. to them earlier in the day, you know yeah I'm interested. I might come to Everton. Yeah, think, yeah, 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 yeah. When yeah, you're thinking yeah. about it, it looks as though we, we have dodged the bullet. And I'm not just saying that because it just may sound like it's our games because we missed out on him. I like him. I think he's a, he's a very good player. But when you're looking at the type of fella that he is, when he weren't even looks looks to me as if he weren't replying back to Ronald Koeman's calls, yeah. then it may come across as the type of character we have missed out on. Yeah. I would not want that yeah. in the football club. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. But going back to being more savvy, like I mean, the savvy thing is is not doing that 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 conversation on the thirty first of August. You have it on the first of August, that's isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's it. the thing, isn't it? Yeah. He's been he's been available. <laughs> From the summer, yeah, that's the that's the thing about it. He's been available from the we've, summer, and we've missed out on him on the last day. Stupidity. We've understood that Everton were talking loosely to Newcastle all summer. So exactly what Gav says. Why did it take it to the last minute for him to do anything? Now you could say Tottenham might have had an interest in him all summer. Why did Tottenham only act at the last minute? I think that everyone knows that deals get done late because that's when everything comes to a head, and, and you know people are willing to finally get that push over the line but yeah. other clubs your United your cities they got the business done early and I thought I think we hoped that our finance would maybe not be in the same ballpark as City we knew that we accepted that but our finance would mean that we didn't have to get to right to the line maybe in an aspiration to you know whack a few notes off the final check the big clubs for me Largely by by and by, get the business done early because they can they can afford to pay a premium. But on I, top of it, so like, can we, so can we, we can uh, that's one of the yeah. that's one of the lessons learned, isn't it? Is yeah. actually you know, but the lad from Porto, I mean, cool but, Valley, I think, no, uh, the lad from Berahimi, yeah, yeah. Still after the day, still don't know what to say. Saying <laughs> is, I mean, we offered it an amount, didn't we? And then they put it up reportedly by 10, 15 million euros. Well, yeah. I mean. You got, you're going to back away then, aren't you? But as I say, if that happens on the 1st of August, then we, we've got time. Exactly. To I think yeah. the, other, the other thing as well is, is maybe going back to Cumin is that 
once he's had a chance to work with the squad and, and see them play, and he's had the best of idea of who he wants to bring in. And there might have been players that actually he didn't think he needed, but actually once he saw what he had available to Evan, he's thinking actually I want to go for, yeah. for him. You know, yeah. you know. And you say the same thing about Mourinho at Man United, but actually they've got the money to buy early. Anyway, but so yeah. Everton, no, Gav, this well, is no, where no, I don't. No, no, Manchester United money. are not in Europe, uh, so I'm not buying yeah, into but, all that. But A, the Man United, and B, they've got Mourinho who's managing, haven't they? That's, that's yeah. the two things. And we've got Ronald Koeman. Yeah, yeah, but they are. Yeah, I mean, you can't in. ignore the fact that their pull is one of the Obviously, it is. It is, it is, Greg. But they had complications with Sign and Pogba. They get it done. Yeah. Get your business done early. There's no excuses for Everton to get not to get the business but, done early. But this goes back to your place where you are in the hierarchy of English football, isn't it? And at the moment, we are probably, what, middle of the, the yeah. Premier League? Maybe with the potential to move on. Uh, you know, upwards. Man United, OK, they may have finished fifth last season, but they're at the top one or two in the Premier League, aren't they? Let's face it. So, regardless of where they finish in the, in the league. So, that's why they can... They they've got the money and and, and the 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 they're attractive enough to do business early. It's a lesson learned, isn't it? Um, as I say, I'm not entirely sure we did everything right, but it's a lesson learned. As long as you're showing the future that we've learned from it, I don't expect to be in this position next year, and I don't think the chairman will will think we'll be. In it's this interesting you say that, Gav. Moshiri, Walsh, and Kuma wake up this morning. They won't be happy. With what's gone on last night, surely? No, they won't. They won't be. Um, you know, Mishiri might well feel a little bit kind of embarrassed because you know he's obviously cares. Yeah. You know, passionately, he's starting to already kind of really feel part of the Everton family and stuff like that. And, you know, he'd said publicly, hadn't he, that he was anxious. He used the word anxious mm-hmm. to, to ensure that Kuman got more signings. And I think you know, with the best will in the world, he, he probably hoped for more than a loan on, on the last day of the window. So he'll look at it and say. He's obviously a businessman who must have a degree of ruthlessness about him to become so successful. He'll hopefully apply that to him and his own team's performance in this window and say, with all the mitigation which we've discussed, new structure, you know, like we said yesterday, and you've just reiterated, you know, uh, new, so many new mm-hmm. um, ways and cultures of of getting things done. He'll have to say it was a failure, and I would l- I'd like to think failure doesn't sit well on the shoulders of a man like Mashiri. Wouldn't he have learned from some of this through his Arsenal days? Well, he didn't have that any anywhere near that level of involvement yeah. at Arsenal. He wasn't involved in transfer dealings. He wasn't involved in speaking to agents mm. or getting. You know, don't forget Cronker, um, formerly David Dean, before yeah. he left. They were, the book stopped at them. Yeah. Even Usmanov, yeah. he hasn't got that level of involvement. So yeah. I don't think he would. Basically, you know. Yeah. I mean, and let's face it, it's easy for us as supporters and so on and so forth to sit down and say oh do our deals early <laughs> but you know you buy, you buy effectively especially the 30, 40, 50 million pounds you're effectively buying small companies aren't you that's what a player is these days aren't they yeah. you know in terms but that's of what the, you've got to do and, though Gav haven't you but they, they, you know anything involved in that especially if you're talking buying it from other countries is, is a complicated process so it's it's hard and what it seems. I, I just hope we've learned from lessons and I'm sure going back to Greg's point. I mean the other thing as well, saying Mr. is a businessman, he expects him to be ruthless, he also knows the value of money as well, doesn't he? So he's not mm. gonna overpay mm. or sanction paying over the odds for players, even if it means us losing out on them because actually, you know, there's, there's, you know that's where the value for money questions. Would you understand the fans that feel 
kind of betrayed and let down by what's going on because they've seen this happen in the past so many times under the previous regime when they've basically sold to buy. And under a brand new regime, promises of war chests and everything else, and yet the same thing has happened yet again. Well, yeah. Is that, is that a coincidence or well, is it going to happen again? It's two completely different scenarios, isn't it? Because we have got money to burn because of the TV deal, because of, because of the owner, compared yeah. to previous, you know, the pre- previous regime, you know, regardless of what people think, was, was a, financially a far, had to be a far tighter ship, didn't it? Under the new owner, is you wouldn't expect the same story anyway. It's been a similar, similar same story this winter for the reasons you spoke about. I don't expect to have the same conversation in twelve months' time. You know. I don't expect to have it in January. To be well, well, I think January is a slightly different winter, but certainly in twelve months' time, I don't expect to have the same conversation. If we do and haven't, do we are having the same conversation? And something seriously has gone wrong. Um, would it surprise you if changes were made in and around the transfer procedure, whatever they're doing at the moment? New blood brought in, the way Liverpool run their transfer committee, or if a new, I don't know, some new chief exec... I'm, I'm just playing to have us have it. I'm trying to look for answers. I think, Everton, be there. I think Everton's new executive team, without knowing, obviously, how they operate on a day-to-day basis, because it is such a new team, yeah. and so far we've, we've been unable to speak to Mashiri. So we, are, we haven't got that insight, likewise Sasha Rizanstev. However, I would imagine, um, Gavin, and you'll know more, you know, um, working in organisa- bigger organisations, that committee, that executive team will sit down, I'd imagine, and review the yeah. window. Yeah. They'll look, what worked? They'll say, well, look, this worked. We did really well with Williams and Blasio. And what didn't work? And, and there's a lot to work yeah. through, and what didn't and, work? And, it, and, and hopefully they'll draw up conclusions yeah, what to go forward. And, Maybe and, there will be. New and room. also, you canvass the opinions of people within the organisation for their views. You won't just use your own evidence. You mm. should you should canvass everybody involved in it. You know, however junior for, the, for their opinions, and to ensure that you've got all the information you need to make sure it doesn't happen in the future. Rather than just like collectively to their forward and say this is how it's going to work in, in the future. So I would expect uh, I expect that to happen, uh, and I'd expect it to see changes. Um, going forward um, there has been a little bit of reputational damage perhaps in the eyes of some supporters yeah. which is understandable um, but there's also a lot of supporters I think I've sort of spoken to that actually you know fully understand why why we are where we are as of last night um, the, the thing the thing now is to is to get the players that are available you know, fire on all cylinders. That's, that's a good point. That's an interesting. Let's see where, where where we are right now is what we've got. We can't do nothing about it. The main two positions for me that haven't been they haven't been answered after was the goalkeeping situation and the centre forward. And we're left with what we've got is Romelu Lukaku up front and his backup is looks to me as if it's Valencia, Runa Kone and Umanias. Now that for me, one in, we spoke about it yesterday, one injury to Romelu Lukaku, and it's it's good night Vienna, as far as I'm concerned. The goalkeeper situation, exactly the same. So, Ronald Koeman has somehow got to... Does he change his training sessions in Sicily, Greg? Go on. To what? He is, they are quite intense, aren't they, these training sessions, and he yeah. loves high press and everything yeah. else. To do this with Rom, 
it's gonna it's gonna be cagey, isn't it? Because he's gonna be looking. I need him fully fit, but I can't afford him to be injured. I don't think he'll. It's an interesting point. I can't see him training his changing his training methods because they've worked for him up to a point. To change it just to try and avoid an injury, um, to change it wholesale to me doesn't sound like something he would do. But there might well be extra things put in place, whether it's with the physio team or the strength and conditioning coaches, to say you need to bulletproof Rom if you like yeah. even further because you know we've got we haven't got much in depth. So it's an interesting point. Mm. Maybe that will be part of that review. Go well. What do we need to do? We didn't get what we wanted to support Rom. Well, okay, get the memo out to the lad to do his strength and condition. You know, if, if there's any lingering things maybe from his Euros, if he's still got a bit yeah. of tight groin, we need, as you say, to a degree to wrap him up and can't walk. Yeah. I don't think that would mean he'd change the way they train as a whole, yeah. but it might mean they tailor him a very more carefully specific package. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, I think if you change train and that you've got more chance of getting injuries then, haven't you? Because people are well, maybe, maybe, in a yeah, different yeah. way. I think what I'd be looking to do. Is is looking at the style of play of the team and putting, you know, uh, to ensure that Rom's not the sole focus where he has been our sole source. Yeah, of I understand that, that but he effectively he is, isn't but, he? But how? Okay, but looking at changing tactics or changing the way we're playing, which we have done to a degree, to 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 to, to sort of improve our goal threat across the team. And I think that because we, we were far too reliant on them last year, we yeah. probably the season before. Yeah, so um, and that's what I think. You know, yeah. I think that's probably being done at the moment because yeah. Ronald Ron Koeman didn't know that, won't he? I haven't seen our stats from last year, um, so I think that will be done. Um, and then we just have to see see where it goes. I mean, without going all retro, but yesterday I'm, I'm okay with the keeper. It was the slider that that was that was mm. to me. I mean, the, the curious thing, and I don't want to go over it, is where what where Sissoko would have actually played in the team. By the way, well, it's interesting. Mm. You, you yeah, did say I, that yeah. whether or not he would be a little bit of a a kind of I don't know white elephant because thirty million quid in the end. And what are you saying? Is, is Barkley basically getting dropped? That, that, that's like, I thought he would have been playing centre midfield, yeah, but alongside of just a guy. I think he would just would have been alongside him. So, you, so I, he's I, dropping Gareth Bale. I, I thought, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, Gareth Bale's thirty-five. Yeah, but he's not yeah, the same player, though, is he? No, he's not. But Everton haven't got that box-to-box midfielder, have they? Which is true. So yeah, which, which is, is true. true. Which yeah. is, comes back to Barkley. I think. I think he appears to be content with the two holding midfielders. Oh, this is a bit of a waste argument, but yeah. actually, it's an indication of like perhaps his thinking going forward. Is if you have Barry and um, it's just a guy you've you've. The player who's vulnerable is Barkley, isn't it? If you put yeah. a box-to-box midfielder in, because you're not going to move a box-to-box midfielder out wide. Well, maybe that's what he wants. He wants to give him competition. Maybe, yeah, and that's the thing. I think that's what. Yeah, it is. yeah, he's assuming, isn't yeah. he? And he's thinking. Yeah. Or you play three. Or if you play three at the back and sort of play four or five in midfield, you have got a few more options there about yeah. even deploying midfielders. But you could shoe in Barkley and Sissoko into the into the the same team. But it, it was just an interesting. A transfer or potential transfer on basis what maybe Ronald's thinking about the future. Gav, just before obviously all the signings came in and the signings that are obviously the players that have gone out, would you have taken that at the start of the window? John Stones, Pinar, Howard, etc., McGeezy out and the players signing in, Balassi, Williams. When you're looking at it right now on face value, from, would you have taken that? From from when it was announced that we had like war chests and TV yeah. money and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Uh, um, 
No, because I think we needed a striker. Yeah, that's what that's what mm. I would say. Gav, just very quickly, because I know you you get have to leave us shortly. Enne Valencia, we haven't touched on him really. Your thoughts on him? Well, it's a, it's low risk, isn't it? It's only a loan deal, isn't it? You know, if you'd have paid fifteen million last night, it would have been a slightly different conversation. You know, but a loan deal. <laughs> it would have been a, a lot more. It's a loan deal, slow risk. It's potential short-term cover, but it's we quick. have, yeah, but we have got now three, four, five players all in that position, haven't we? Yeah. Really, I don't want to say that. Is he a panic? Sorry, buy a panic loan, so to speak. Panic loan, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Could argue that all loans are panics, aren't yeah, they? Like, yeah, really, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You don't know, dear, perhaps. Mm. But does that really matter? I mean, it's it's whether he can, in his 12 months or whatever it is, he's here that he, he, he get value for, for that deal. And in many respects, as I say, it's low risk. So he's a much needed option. Yeah. So he can't be any worse than Umanias, can he? Well, no, he can't be. And I think you know he, what he is, which Umanias wasn't, is experienced in the Premier League, isn't he? You yeah. Know, he, he's a known quant- quality in that respect. He doesn't score many goals, which is <laughs> it's disappointing when you look at. I think, as Gav said. Um, yeah, well, it's just like he, he's got ten goals in I think sixty games for West Ham in all competitions. But yeah. I think it's sixteen goals and twenty nine for Ecuador. Would we'll be better buying him from Ecuador? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look, let's hope that maybe the, the word was he'd fallen out with Billich, so it's not entirely black and white that you know he just Billich give up on him because uh, he didn't rate him. Maybe it was a case of him, you know, falling out of the manager's plans. And, I, I think for me is that what West Ham was struggling for strikers at one point last season, and he had a lot of injuries. And he still couldn't. He still did weren't he, playing. Did he not score against us in a cup game? <laughs> he might have done. You know, yeah, Gav, yeah I, I can't won. remember. Yeah, you know that. Yeah. I think one of those it's epic a, cup games yeah, yeah, yeah. four seasons ago. Yeah, yeah. 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 I just um, think we're gonna. He's gonna. Ron Cuban's gonna have to get this group together, and just somehow get to Christmas and accumulate as many points as possible, and hope that the confidence, like the team, should be confident. We've got seven we points out of nine. So we well. start as yeah. well, and it's a shame you don't want to try and dampen it. But you look at like seven points out of nine, and you've got quite a lot of winnable games coming up. Crystal Palace is Bournemouth and except Sunderland next um, next week. Going into Sunderland, Greg, next week without, do you think the fans will after after what's gone on? Do you think they'll be sort of the crowd will be edgy? They don't want to. They don't want it to go. So it's a belly up, so to speak. It's up there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think, you know what, mate? I think that basically the hangover of, of, of last night or this morning will, will subside and supporters will generally will probably get back into the excitement of the new era. And I think, as you crucially say, the way it started has been so impressive and Cummins made such a difference to what we were used to last season that the disappointment of last night will fade. It doesn't mean the lessons can be allowed to fade for the people involved in transfers to the club mm. and for the, the hierarchy. They can't afford to say, if we carry on and beat Sunderland and get a result at Bournemouth, and you know they can't be, afford to sit on the laurels. I think the planning for January has to start now. Yeah. And I see what Gav says about, oh, January might not be, we might see it in 12 months. And Phil, Phil if he was here, because yeah. he wrote it in a piece this morning, would say, Cumin himself has said it's a four-window schedule he's working on that until he's going to think he's got the team where he wants it but I'm, I think January is still crucial it I, is for me as well because it was Ronald Koeman that told us last week in the uh, post-match press conference he said it's more or less four or five players he wants 
Yeah. And he wakes up tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. Um, he's not sorry, happy. this morning, yeah. and he's got one loan signing from West Ham. He's not going to be happy, yeah. is he? I mean, I, as we sort of understand from the way it's working, I don't think Cumin's the type of manager, um, unlike Moyes, who's making the calls at, at 10 p.m., 11, yeah, 11 yeah. p.m. I think he's very much involved in sourcing the players and mm. saying what he wants, but I think. His main kind, he's like a coach in many ways. Mm. You know, he, he's a tactical man. He picks the team. He, he coordinates the training. Heavily involved in transfers, but not to that extent. Whereas Moyes tried to do everything. Yeah. So I think in a way, Kuman delegates a little bit of that, and I think he'll have he'll want answers today as yeah, what, yeah. what went on. Because what he, went on, you know, Gabby. Did, all right, most clubs have tiers of targets. They have your first target, and it would appear for us that was Perez. Yeah. And obviously Arsenal, Champions League club, come and nick them off us. Yeah, you can't that. argue. It's no. annoying, but yeah. you can't argue. Yeah. You, you can only ask why they didn't try and tie the deal up early. Yeah, yeah, of course. But there might be reasons for that. So then Gabby Dini and, as Gav said, Napoli seemed like an absolute nightmare of a club to deal yeah. with. It's within their right, they took their heels in, it didn't happen. So then after that, you're not telling me Valencia was third on their list. They must have better must have options been, yeah. than Valencia. If not, you wonder, well... Again, he was, he was at the bottom of the list, yeah. Well, exactly, yeah. It was obvious they needed a, a striker, and that is where no matter what way you look at it, you can't say it's been a successful window because they had to go and buy another striker. You can see the fans' point of view, though, can't you, Greg? From the ones who were saying we've just all oh, we've done well, we've made a profit, if anything, ever in this transfer <laughs> window. We've just yeah. spent the John Stones money, like I say, I can because I empathize because well, obviously, I am one myself, and mm. I know that we've been here so many times before. You know, we've had this this feeling of being also runs in the market, not getting deals over the line. Why didn't it happen? We're getting pipped to post by clubs in you know higher up in the table. And in the past, it used to be because there were clubs who had more money. Now the frustrating thing is being on one hand, we really want to believe that Everton yeah. have got this financial muscle on a scale we've never known before, but you can have a little bit of evidence for it. Yeah. And and whereas we have, you know, they have gone and like we said, and they should be lauded for it. They've gone and got Cumin. They've gone and got Walsh. I think, as mad as the concept of a marquee signing was and is, and we've discussed that all summer. Is it necessary? Is it actually attractive? I just think a little bit of intent to lay down a marker in the Premier League and say Everton are back. Yeah. Would have, totally would have really helped capture fans' imagination. Would Sissoko have done that? I don't think he would, you yeah. know, so that's why missing out on Sissoko, I don't think it's the end of the world. I, I don't think he would have. See, well, Vitzel would have, Vitzel, rightly Mata, or wrongly. Mata. You matter, you know, people like that. Perez wouldn't really have, although no. it would have been an exciting sign, and you know, you can see that he's obviously someone who's well scouted by Steve Walsh. I just look at it, I just, we, we can't. Yeah, obviously they were open. They opened themselves up, Everton, last night to criticism, and that's fine. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, but we can't be too critical if this new new regime over one window. I said it at the top of the podcast, and I'll say it again: we can't be. We were you tend to forget where we was in four or five months ago. We were literally we were on we're on our backsides again, on our knees, getting pulverized by Liverpool in the derby, got battered off Sunderland. We had Roberto Martinez as our manager. We had a gang of players who just didn't want to play for the manager. And we are, and now it's the whole face of Everton has changed. And I'm not going to judge them by one transfer window. You'd be stupid if you do. Because then it, it, you're just basing it on one summer. It's utterly pointless as far as I'm concerned. We've signed good, very good players as far as I'm aware. For, as far as I'm concerned, sorry. 
who are Premier League proven, who will make Everton into a better team. Now, all them players that came in, they will improve us. They're better than the ones that we've got, obviously, because Ronald Koeman says, Yannick Balassi, Asti Williams, it's just a guy, Stecklenberg, better than what we had. And that's why we'll improve on our 11th place finishing this um, last season and the season before. We're a much better team right now. But don't be too critical on judging Everton Football Club on the back of one transfer window under this new regime. If we're back again, again next summer, then fine. I'll take it on the gym. But no, no way I'm not having it. I think that's as good a note as any to finish up for today. So, yeah, disappointments, but still plenty of positives. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with more podcasts very soon.